This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked jokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe Welcome back to a brand new episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as LastWordOnSports.com. It is fight week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. UFC events, we are in for a treat. In light of this weekend's biggest fight card of 2015, UFC 194, Aldo versus McGregor, what better way to go over the card and this whole giant mixed martial arts weekend than with an Irish mate himself, um, Andrew McGann from Severe MMA joins the show right now. Andrew, thanks for joining me today, man. No problem. I'm used, I'm used to these, uh, not that I'm used to it, but... These time differences now work in my favor. Well, you're you you're in the same time zone now. You've made the trek to Vegas. Uh, how did that go? Oh, uh, yeah. You you couldn't have picked a worse question to open the show with because it was the worst day of traveling of my life. Really? I'd say I would say I I always thought people were like kind of winding me up or talking shit when they say, "Oh, American Airlines is the worst thing in the world." But I fully agree. Like we've got a budget airline in Europe called Ryanair, and Ryanair is uh, if I can use an Irish expression, it's bog standard. It's very basic. It's very uh, like plastic headboards everywhere, sickening yellow colors. American Airlines, it was like a flashback to my school days in the 90s in Ireland where we'd go on these things like school trips, school tours is what we'd call them. Yeah. Everyone would get onto the bus. There'd be a, a VHS, a tape player at the top of the bus, and the teacher would stick in a tape for you to watch. It was the equivalent of that, <laughs> pretty much. It's like if I'm traveling eight hours from Dublin to Philadelphia, I would like to think that I'm going to have maybe a bit of Wi-Fi, um, my own screen to look at, a plug socket or a USB port at the very minimum. But we got about three screens for everybody to watch. Oh, man. Des- despicable me uh, on the way over. <laughs> And then Philadelphia, that's great. Get there. All right. Uh, I get a, a cheesesteak. That's not too bad. Get on the plane. Two hours sitting on the runway waiting for an engine failure to be fixed, which is very... The pilot reassured us, though, it had happened before and had been fixed before. And I was like, oh, I'm sitting on the plane like... Not probably the stuff that I want to hear coming out of the pilot's mouth before we go away. (laughs) That's the point where you you say, okay, I think I need to choose another airplane. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to get off now, please. But the door was already closed. Um, Then got here after about 24 hours of traveling. Eventually got checked into the MGM. Was about to fall asleep. um, Did some work. And then was awake until half five in the morning because I'd, I got my second wind. Oh, man. I guess jet lag as well uh, kicks into play as well because you guys are eight hours ahead of uh, Las Vegas time, correct? Yeah. Um, now, to be honest, I'm normally, I pride myself on beating jet lag. But this time, normally, I see, I work in a nightclub. 
in a bar. So I normally stay up the night before I travel. I'm usually working, stay up and then sleep on the plane and then all is well. But because my flight out to Philadelphia was a lot later than usual, I was able to sleep the night before. And I think that's what threw me off completely. So and it's just, uh, it's, I'm, I'm not used to it. Because I, I know, uh, I don't know if you've heard Wim Hof at all, this guy. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff. He goes under freezing water and whatnot. He says he has, he has the remedy to kill jet lag. So I, I don't know if you've listened to him for that or not. No, what does he say it is? Or I, I'm not completely sure. He thinks it's all in breathing, I believe. It's, it's something to do with uh, super deep breaths and... He thinks you can cure everything with breathing is basically it. That sounds like a typical Joe Rogan guest. <laughs> no kidding, eh? Now, how before we get started on this whole uh, big Irish fight card that we've got among us with uh, Conor McGregor, just take us back and tell us how you got into uh, doing the whole mixed martial arts thing, uh, the media side of things, and, and getting in with severe MMA. Uh to cut a long story short, I was I was 17 or 16 at the time. I loved internet forums. I loved browsing internet forums. Um, and there's an Irish website. It's called boards.ie. And that used to be the, the hub for Irish MMA. It used to have fighters on it. used to have coaches on it. Uh, Conor McGregor actually has old posts on the forum, like from 2009, that people recently have bumped up. I'll send you the link because it's a fascinating read of him saying how he was going to be in the UFC one day, how he was better than all the guys in Ireland, how he was calling guys out even then. Wow. And he just, he spoke his mind and he predict, he effectively predicted the future before he even said it was cool to predict the future. So uh, I was on that forum one day. This thread popped up about a local mixed martial arts radio show that were looking for a, uh, someone that could help them every week. And it happened to be in a community radio station five minutes from my house. So I thought, all right, this is two and two together here. This is a perfect scenario. Uh, got in touch. Shockingly enough, I was the only one that applied for the <laughs> position. So it wasn't too bad. But uh, got in with those guys. It was called Punching and Crunching Radio. Uh, Barry and Dennis, who were in charge of it. And I still, to be honest, owe pretty much everything to them for getting me involved in it. They took me to my first ever MMA event. Um, which was a show called Cage Contender 5. Uh, Cahill Pendred fought on it. Paddy Houlihan fought on it. Uh, quite a lot of um, good Irish pros fought on that card. And it was also the day of my first ever jiu-jitsu class because I got a bit of stick online uh, from these shows being like, but this guy doesn't even train. What's he talking about? So that kind of spurred me on. I was like, all right, then fine, fair enough. I'm going to go train. I'm going to go learn about... Uh, jiu-jitsu I want to be able to understand more when I'm watching these guys on the ground and figure out what's going on and um, so worked away with those guys they stopped the radio show uh, got involved with the UK website was working away with them and then I just I met Graham from Severe MMA at Cage Contender something or other um, Owen Roddy who was the trailblazer of Irish MMA the 145er before Conor McGregor was a 145er and just there was no divisions at the time for him. And like Roddy easily, even now, could be competitive at the UFC, but he's, uh, he is, uh, he's focused on coaching. So it was at his, he was main eventing against, uh, do you know Shannon Googerty used to yeah. fight in the UFC? Yeah, I do, yeah. He fought Shannon Googerty in Ireland in one of the most intense fights, atmosphere-wise, like, that I've ever witnessed live in my life. Uh, Roddy was stuck in a full-on rear naked choke 
for so long. I was convinced he was going out. He managed to get out. He won a split decision that at the time a lot of people thought that's a hometown decision. But for the manner that he is, the way that he fought, I, looking back on it now, I'd still give him the victory. Uh, got in touch. Graham introduced himself. Severe MMA had just been set up. That was cool. We went our separate ways. They were at the next event and he just said, maybe you'd like to do uh, video stuff with us. And that's been three years, three months ago. Now, and since then, it's uh, I've just been with them ever since. So Severe MMA is three years old. You started doing video stuff for them. How have you seen the site grow progression-wise uh, over the past three or so years? Uh, absolutely huge. And to be honest, it's still one of the things that I'm trying to get to grips with. But like, I'm not a man for traffic and information and stuff like that. I don't concern myself with all that stuff. But the one thing that I did take a step back and look at was this time last year, I interviewed Connor before the Seaver fight in his gym. And it has 209,000 views <laughs> uh, in a year. And I'm like, all right, uh, 209,000, that's huge, that's cool. But I interviewed Connor 10 days ago in Ireland or two weeks ago before he went away to L.A. And since then, that has got a quarter of a million hits. Wow. And it just goes to show both. I'd like to say the progression of Connor and the website in general. Um, just different things like since the website's getting bigger and more people are subscribing to YouTube, more eyes are now being diverted to Irish MMA. Because no matter what, like all these UFC stuffs are cool. My bread and butter, the stuff that I will travel the length and breadth of Ireland for, is the domestic scene. I, I attend more events in Ireland than pretty much anyone. Myself and Dave Fogarty, he's the cameraman for Severe. We go, to, like, we go everywhere. We, we drove three hours to the other side of the country last week for two pro fights on a card. And the rest were all amateur. Hmm. And it's just being able to be there at the grassroots level. It's like... There's something that I, I really like about it. Not in a hipstery way, uh, but in the sense that getting to see guys like Paddy Hulan and Carl Pendred and Conor McGregor fight domestically, then to literally see in front of your eyes what has become, it's like there's some great talent in Ireland, some very good potential, and it's the sort of thing that I want to still be involved in. I want to see these guys' progressions. I want to see um, how their careers unfold. That's really cool, and, and not to sort of pat my own back but MMA sucker we do the same sort of thing we cover you know mixed martial arts as a whole um globally but I also like to have a spot on the site for local British Columbia Vancouver BC MMA and and I make a point to go to all the events that are happening up here in Vancouver because I want these guys at the grassroots level and I want to see them grow and I you know the loyalty then comes back to you as well like when they make the jump to say the UFC or a bigger organization, they know that you've been there from the very get-go. Like we've had Matt Dwyer make it to the UFC. I, I don't know if you know the name or not, but he he had that big Superman punch a few months back. He yeah. got knockout knockout of the night bonus, and that's one of our local guys. And and you know, just to be able to see him grow up through the sport at that time, uh, going from zero and zero as an amateur to seeing him in the UFC is is just so bloody cool. I'd say it is, and it's very cool. I haven't had a zero and zero amateur to UFC yet, uh, unfortunately, but I definitely think there will be some in Ireland in the next couple of years. The one thing on that, though, is, and it may be like, it might sound bad. It's not because, oh, so they'll remember me and access, because that's always great. Like, Connor gives me a fantastic time. Like, literally, I will never be able to thank him enough. And he stays true to his word that he doesn't forget the people that he came up with in a sense, but I 
the thing that I like about it most is that now that there's other, say, pop-up websites coming up and oh, see what you're doing and it's like, I can do that, but I'm going to do it in a much worse version. And there's so many people that hang around and they're like, oh, hey, man, do you want to do an interview? I'm going to send you free stuff. Yeah, it's grand. Then that website closes after six months. Yeah. It's like there's still the one consistent group of people that are promoting and covering Irish MMA. And I think the fighters recognize that. I think the gyms recognize that. If there's something that they want out, they'll say, look, we're going to, this is happening. Or such and such is happening. Or are you able to come to this event and uh, cover it first, please? And it's because of um, not so much the the access that we get. It's the, if, if you want to find out stuff about Irish MMA in Ireland, a lot of people now will head over to Severe. And that is something that I'm truly, truly happy that has happened. And um, it, it does fill me with pride. As someone that had didn't really have anything growing up through their life that they could ever be proud of and stand by and say, this was me. It was like, yeah, I played sports and stuff like that, but was always shit. <laughs> never, <laughs> never any good. Uh, academically wasn't great in school. But now I have something myself that I can stick to and be like, either whether it's jiu-jitsu or whether it's interviewing, it's kind of like I... It's mine, so it's it's something that I'm very proud of. It's also something that creates a bit of a niche for your site as well. I mean, it's you, you're not like every the Con- other the Conor McGregor fan site. Well, that <laughs> that and it's not like every other big site out there. And you're just posting about you know the big fight scene. You you also have that grassroots level. Oh yeah, like I would hate to have to come to this UFC fight week, and like I went to the weigh-ins there. Um, but I would hate to actually have to have sat there, recorded it, edited it, posted it, uploaded it. Got to the media day today. I was lucky enough to get Gunnar Nelson a week ago before he left Ireland. A big crowd around him. I was just like, look, I, I have a lot of work to do over the course of the week. Today isn't going to be spent. And this might sound bad. Like, There's a lot of people out there who do a lot of great work that will go around every fighter and get good content. But for me, I find that the... The best discussions happen when you have a similar interest. I interviewed Uriah Faber a while ago, or not Faber, uh, Uriah Hall back in Boston in January. The interview was going shit. First two minutes, worst thing I've ever done. Then he mentioned self-belief, and that's something that I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of um, self-motivation, of writing down your goals, of setting achievements and, and smashing them, and that's where we clicked. And then the interview took a complete turn for the different, and it ended up very well. Uh, today, Tony Ferguson and Joe Lozon. Of course, I'm going to talk to Joe Lozon about Reddit. We comment on the same stuff on Reddit BJJ all the time. He was the one that recommended the gym for me to go training in Boston when I was over covering the UFC. Tony Ferguson's involved in the 10th Planet system. Eddie Bravo Invitational this weekend. Tony Ferguson, some of the most aesthetically pleasing grappling to hit the UFC in the last couple of years, especially to a level that it's not just jiu-jitsu to counter out jiu-jitsu. He is the 10th Planet system of jiu-jitsu. Him and Ben Saunders, I think, are going to, um, and a few other guys coming up through, are going to revitalize the grappling scene in MMA completely. I, I train jiu-jitsu up here as well. Are you, like, full-time student? What belt rank? Are, are you more of a gi guy, a no-gi guy? Uh, everything. I Last July, I uh, didn't go back to college because I wanted, first and foremost as well, to grow the website, but also I wanted to be in a position that I could train jiu-jitsu every day. So at the minute, I, I train twice a day, wow. two or three times a day, depending on the schedule. Like my coach has a training schedule out for me now that from Monday I'm going to be back on to because the Europeans are at the end of January. 
Um, I've been training five years, but my first two years were intermittent because of teenage classes and college and stuff like that, and I wasn't as into it. It's only really been in the last two years that I've put my head down and really wanted to make a go at it. So uh, I'm a, a three-stripe blue belt under a guy called Sebastian Torres. Um, I do... Uh, somehow, I don't know how, I'm ranked 81st in the world at the, <laughs> in the IBJJF uh, Nogi rankings. Nicely done. I, I medaled in uh, Berlin a couple of weeks ago. So there's... Um, for me, and if there's any, like anyone listening that thinks... They haven't done it before and they'd be interested in doing martial arts. I know as someone who does it yourself, you'll agree with me. Jiu-jitsu is the best thing you can do for yourself. It oh, literally man. improves your life completely. It makes you see things differently, appreciate things differently. I don't want to sound like a fucking hippie or something like that, but jiu-jitsu will change your life. It, it is definitely a lifestyle, and I, I have to say that I'm extremely jealous that you get to train as much as you do. I myself yeah. am, a, I am a three-stripe blue belt as well, funny enough. Oh, I uh, Unfortunately, though, I, I all the guys that started at the same time as me are brown belts and black belts. I, I started about mm -hmm. nine about nine years ago, but I took... A long seven and a half years off. So um, that's I, what it's about. Exactly. It's about I got back. I got back into it about six months ago, and I've been going hard. So with a family and and three kids, and you know, dogs and a job and a lifestyle like I have, it's tough to get in there more than two or three times a week. But I'm back at it consistently, and and extremely jealous of you. <laughs> uh, well, like there's, I don't know. I don't I, genuinely. It's because of being around Connor. It's because of being interviewing Connor. Do you know, like, who should tell you that you aren't able to achieve what you want to achieve? Fair enough. I may not become a world champion, um, especially if I want to try and focus a severe MMA-style career with a full-time jiu-jitsu competitor career. But I know myself. I can become the best blue belt in Ireland. I can win the European Championships. I can medal at IBJJF tournaments. I can head to the States and take a couple of scalps in big tournaments like that. Like for me, that's the end goal. Perfect scenario. Five years time, I'm able to. Um, I have a good enough name from interviewing. I have a good enough name from jujitsu. The two of them come together very well, and I open my own school in uh, in the in Dundalk where I live. And that's I I would love there to be a facility. So where because when I got into jujitsu, there wasn't the facility that I needed. There was one class a week. It was a teenagers class. The place was dodgy as fuck. Did didn't have insurance we weren't allowed to spar all the time only sometimes it was just it was crazy but i want a place where beginners can walk into where competitors can come into they're going to get good training it's going to be perfect from the ground up and for me that is that is the end goal that is awesome now we've spoken for almost 20 minutes just about sorry i'm just, sorry I'm just sorry. about just about you let's move on to I'm this so sorry <laughs> this fight this weekend the irish main event between mcgregor and aldo now you've seen this guy grow through the sport when was the first time you saw conor mcgregor live in action um it was at a cage contenders he fought a guy called mike wood mike took the fight on 36 hours notice from the uk came over and got his jaw dislocated in five seconds. Holy shit. I think it was, yeah. So probably Mike should have took that weekend off. But from then, and I showed these notes to Connor a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago, uh, around his cage warriors days. Around the time when I had finished school, I was cleaning up my room and I found out old notepads from these events that I'd went to. Stuff like m me writing down about fighters, oh, they're great, they're great, and they haven't done anything since. 
But about Connor, it was 145. I wrote, looks like a tiny GSP because he was ripped to shit and he had a bald head. Yeah. And I said, could be in the UFC one day. <laughs> and for me, I wish I still had that piece of paper. No kidding. Because I, showed, I brought it with me. I showed it to him. I think it was at one cage while you were showing Dublin. And I was like, this is going to happen. And he was like, you better believe it's going to happen. <laughs> And I was like, that is, I, I just wish I had stuff like that still in place. Now, hopefully, in the years to come, I have video evidence of all of these fighters. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Exactly. Yeah, so still to this day, you're as big a believer in Conor McGregor as he is in himself? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. Conor has uh, the, the most self-belief that you'll ever see in your life. I think it was around the time I was like... I didn't know enough to gauge a fighter's ability of whether they'll get to the UFC one day. I Maybe it was just a patriotic pick. Maybe it was that this guy could be in the UFC one day. I didn't see him beat that guy in five seconds and think in, a, in six year, five or six years' time he's going to fight Jose Aldo and he's going to beat him at UFC 190 whatever. Like it, it wasn't anything as prophetic as that. It wasn't, uh, wasn't something as cool. But I did think there was something there. And, I think once, and then speaking to him afterwards, like once people speak to him for the first time, or even hear him for the first time, I think people can kind of think, yeah, okay, there's there's something different about this guy. And he was always like that? Like, even from this first Cage Contenders fight, you watched him at um, speaking and, and talking, was he always as as confident and brass and, oh, and whatnot man, as he is? You have, you have no, like, it's so funny. Like, people are like, he's putting this on, he's putting this on. He's like, Connor has always spoke his mind. He's always said, like, as I said, like those posts on the internet about him saying how good he was in 2010 yeah. and how, forget the local scene, he's heading off the cage wires. He's going to take their world titles. And this was two years before he even took those world titles. It was just, he has the ultimate self-belief. I think no matter what you say about Connor's skill set, his ability, his dedication, it's his mind. His mind is bulletproof. It's his strongest asset of his fighting game completely. Any surprise at all that he's made it up this quick amongst yeah. in the UFC rankings? Yeah, to be honest, I was like, you have to take into account, remember the fact, like, Conor McGregor was injured for 11 months. Yeah. It's 2015 <laughs> and he made his debut in 2013. Yeah. He'll be three years in the UFC this April. And look at him now. He controls the the game, as he says. Controls the numbers, etc. I I never thought he would get to the superstar level that he was at. I thought when he came into the UFC, he had the style. He had the raw style that could one day beat Aldo, because the whole story was about Conor being signed to the UFC. I was there in Sweden. A UFC official. Um, who I can't really drop in the shit for saying this, but a UFC official said Aldo's been bringing in high school, college, the best level wrestlers from the States into his camp from six months before the first Mendez fight. No one is ever going to wrestle and take Aldo down, which was the perceived blueprint to beating him in the past. But an unorthodox, crazy striker can beat Aldo, and I think Conor McGregor is the guy to beat Aldo. Is there... And that... Yeah, go on. Sorry. Go on. No, no, no. Go for it. I just think like that's that is the perfect analysis of Connor. It's just like and and it kind of debunks the whole theory that once there's a blueprint there to beat a fighter that it's there. It's like I I don't agree with that at all. It's like 
You don't know what a fighter's worked on in the last six months. You don't know if their lifestyle has changed. You don't know if their mindset to training and evolving has changed. I don't think anyone should ever plan a game plan for Conor McGregor because look at the evolution of him in all of his fights. You know, he was in Europe. He was a slick counter puncher that liked guys to come on to him. The Ivan Bushinger finish, the shots to drop Dave Hill, even Marcus Brimage, he was able to use some of his counter fight, uh, counter striking initiatives. Then he comes up against a fighter who fights similar to him, Max Holloway, and that was the, the Max Holloway fight was the turning point for me as Conor McGregor will go the full way in the UFC. He first of all adapted and overcame his injury, fought the entire second portion of the fight on the ground because his knee was about to buckle at any stage but also he fought a guy who was so similar stylistically Max Holloway loves fighting off counter he's a counter fighter as well he loves it Holloway has learned how to change since then I think the rematch would be more exciting than Conor versus Aldo to be honest Um, Holloway's changed how he fights and from that Connor learned how to change how he fights. Connor learned how to become the stalker, the predator, the guy that won't see who takes the back step for, first, if I can steal one of his quotes from the Mendez fight. <laughs> and, he, and he used it straight away in the Brandau fight. Do you know, a guy like Diego Brandau, who if Connor had a fought in his UFC debut, probably still would have beat him, but wouldn't have done it as easy because he would have had to rely on his counter-striking ability and Brandau is a swarmer. Brandau can put you down. And Connor was able to come forward and put put it on to Diego Brando. And it was that fight as well you're just looking at. He's completely changed. Connor has changed from August of last year when he got hurt to July of the following year for UFC Dublin. It's like you're watching a completely different fighter. Yes, I, I'll agree with you and I'll disagree with you a little bit on that point, on the blueprint of beating a fighter in the UFC. Because there are high-level... Um, UFC fighters champions as well that have had the same game plan and the same style for the past few years but Conor McGregor is not that he's definitely an unorthodox fighter and if you bring something to him one fight he's going to definitely look extremely different the next fight exactly and I think it's these problems that come up against him like people are like man Conor's wrestling is shit it's so suspect it's like the, I think people are set on making their points that they completely ignore the fact that there are valid arguments out there for why Conor fought the way he did against Chad Mendes. I have a question about that, actually, and I'm going to interrupt you right there because of that. Um, Yes, he had an injured knee going into that fight, um, but rumors swirling, and I heard this from an in a, a sort of an inside source, that he actually hurt his knee in the dressing room prior to that fight as well is is that true do you know anything of that i actually i know that's the first time i heard it and it would be interesting to find that out because the ufc if i recall correctly live streamed the dressing rooms for that fight i won't say who it is but uh <laughs> no 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 i i would i wouldn't ask you to but the ufc because i can remember ufc 189 we were sitting afterwards watching chad mendez's locker room because Paige Van Zandt's reaction was so funny on the live stream when Chad lost. Yes. And yes. the whole warm-up was there. Like you could, It was literally as if uh, someone started a Google Hangout, stuck a webcam in the corner, and just left the plane, and you yeah. could still watch it back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm definitely going to do 
that. I'm going to go back and look up that myself. I would almost ask him that as well uh, if, if you get a chance to chat with him after, like, candidly, because I, I heard that he was grappling or just warming up in, in the dressing room and something tweaked in his knee as well. So that well, could that, have that, that could have added to the case as well. Exactly. And that completely proves their point right. If that is true, like, the story goes that Connor heard it uh, grappling with Rory, I think it was. Yes. On the world tour. And then a further setback sometime in his Vegas camp, I think it was, that he heard it as well. He had the sports masseuse out from Ireland with him, living in the house, uh, treatments three day, three times every day. And, like, literally, even if you just go back and watch the Mendez fight, watch Connor in the cage beforehand. And watch Connor before the Diego Brandau fight or the Dennis Seaver fight. You knew looking at him, <laughs> he wasn't able to move. He was able yeah. to move in straight <laughs> lines. He wasn't doing any capoeira. He wasn't doing any of his stuff because he couldn't trust his knee. He thought, apparently, like, I, you don't know how much is hyperbole, how much is uh, uh, just showing up for the crowds and stuff like that, but apparently Connor wasn't able to do a single round of live wrestling Wow! From uh, for that camp. Not maybe that he was especially doing much for the Aldo fight, but when the uh, announcement changed, it's like, we can only technically drill wrestling here. We can own, and even then, I I thought in that fight, as Chad gassed, Connor's takedown defense became better, and we saw maybe what he would be like at a fully fledged level, sort of thing. I I do think that, like I'm still I'm still crazy about that point you're after making. It's like <laughs> if Connor hurt his knee in the fight beforehand, that makes him uh, is. Uh, performance even more better. <laughs> I, 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 I could I could be completely wrong, but that was just something that came up in my ear a, f- a few months back. No, that's cool. That is very cool. Now, uh, I, just a couple more questions for you here. I, the, today at the UFC press event, I, I don't know if you noticed, but a question that was asked to Jose Aldo was, "Will he focus on those leg kicks because Connor?" You know, he has that leg out front. He, he, he has that sort of stand-up stance where his leg is so far out and wide stanced in front of him if Jose will target that. And funny enough, when they squared off after, he was down in that low stance with his yeah. leg out wide. <laughs> and then when they turned to the side as well, oh. he purposely oh. put that, that foot I, out front. I don't know if you noticed that. Interesting, you, though, right? You're, you're, breaking up, you're breaking up a wee bit, but I, can you... Hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, no, I, I, from what, from what I heard there, uh, you said that Connor, after Aldo made the point about the leg kicks, Connor went orthodox for the first time in a stare down and put the leg out in front of him. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and the bow as well. It, yes, and and even when they were standing straight ahead, when they had the belts on, he he put his foot and his leg right out there. Yeah, I, I think Connor said something a while ago. It might have been on that media lunch in LA and people asked him about the leg kick and he's like, How do you know I don't have a counter for it? <laughs> how do you know like how do you know I won't give him the leg? Connor broke Max Holloway's foot, checking a kick. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in the domestic scene he fought Connor Dillon. Connor Dillon retired out of the fight, had to pull out like mid fight because of Connor checking leg kicks. It's a tool that Connor's had in his game for quite a while. Don't be surprised if Jose Aldo smashes his shin off a leg and, uh, God forbid, something as crazy as Anderson Weidman <laughs> happens. But, like, don't rule 
about the possibility of Connor giving Aldo that leg. Also, Connor's a southpaw, and I think a lot of people have analysed this recently, and it is a good trait to analyse, is that Jose Aldo's lead leg is no longer attacking the hard, meaty, the solid part of his thigh of the outside left leg. It's going to be attacking the inside, uh, inside part of his right leg. In theory, if that's how he swings the kick, that's what's going to be done. I would be interested, though, just so I'm not talking all the time, in hearing your opinion on, as a guy who's involved in jiu-jitsu as well, Connor has Ido Portal uh, working with him at the minute, and a lot of people are like, man, that guy's bullshit. This is Steven <laughs> Seagal. This is, who, the, who is this guy? Like, What's your take on that? Well, that's the one point that I think um, a lot of people are looking at is if Jose gets him down, they think the fight's going to be over, but we haven't, you know, Connor's both of his losses were by submission, and, and we all know that, but we also haven't seen him on the ground other than in the a few fights where he got immediately back up to his feet, so we don't know exactly how his jiu-jitsu game has rounded out from those two losses. I, I can't see... It's a toss-up when it goes to the ground for me. I, I'm not sure what... Connor's game is like on the ground anymore because as I said we just haven't seen it he's popped right back up he's been great off his back he uh what have you seen have you been to the gym have you seen him doing his grappling game I mean has it evolved from those two losses um you know Sean Sheehan yeah the guy the other guy from Severe Sean Sheehan wrote an unbelievable article and I hate myself for saying that recently that (laughs) it was on the week five years ago when Aldo became the UFC champion, Connor suffered his loss to Duffy. Okay. Am, am I right in thinking that? Yeah. Uh, either way, there's a correlation between the two that it was within days of the two happening when Connor suffered his last loss. I think people like, and John has spoke about this before, Connor used to do jiu-jitsu because he had to. And after the Duffy loss, within a couple of months, Connor was doing jiu-jitsu because he loved it. Connor competed throughout Europe at, uh, at IBJJF tournaments, no gi. He was adamant that he was going away to do the gi Europeans one year. And I think he had the Cage Warriors fight. I think it was in 2000 and uh, New Year's Eve. So he wasn't able to prepare for the gi Europeans the way that he would have wanted, wanted to have. Um, I've never rolled with Connor. From what everyone has told, Darrow O'Connell is one of Ireland's top uh, BJJ black belts. Rolled with Connor consistently for years. He said, Connor's a good brown belt in the gi, but if you put him in no gi at the brown belt world championships, he does very, very good and surprises a lot of people. Um, I know sport jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts is completely different. I think that, I said it as well the other day, I was like, I really want to see them go on the ground. Jose yeah, Aldo beat Cobrinha. Sure. Yes. Jose <laughs> like, beat Cobrinha at brown belt. Smart, like submitted him at brown belt. Yeah, um, but he's a guy I, that in if he gets it in his head that he's going to stay on the feet, unless he's getting tagged and lit up, he has no choice but to stay on the feet. He doesn't ever want to take it to the ground. He's like, you know, that guy, sort of the George Gurgel syndrome. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that's going to change this weekend. I completely agree with you, but I do think it's going to change. I think Aldo will be confident on the ground. I think Aldo. He's not an idiot. He no. knows Connor's a world class striker. He's seen what Connor's doing. He's seen what Connor's done. He put he finished Chad Mendez quicker uh, with with the exception of the first fight. But the second fight, Aldo couldn't finish Chad. And he's and he stood and traded with him all day long. Aldo is smart. He's gonna have seen Connor's fight against Mendez, think the ground is the key to victory. I think Aldo will come out 
and take Connor down in the first round or try to take Connor down in the first round. I just have it in my head. I don't know whether it's because <laughs> I'm a jiu-jitsu fanboy, because it's something that I want to see. I want to see how Connor's jiu-jitsu would go against Aldo's jiu-jitsu. I think Aldo is com- a polar opposite from Chad Mendes. He's not going to sit in the guard and throw elbows. He's going to try be aggressive. He's going to try pass the guard. He's going to try submit Connor. It's going to be high-paced, intense jiu-jitsu. Connor's sequences are drilled to perfection. This is a good one for you. If you look, if you go onto YouTube and you put in John and Gunny rolling, when John first met Gunnar Nelson at a seminar in Iceland in 2008, I think it was, either John puts Gunnar in a guillotine or Gunnar puts John in a guillotine, and the exact sequence that Connor escaped against Mendez's guillotine, John or Gunnar hits in this role. Wow. And that, like, <laughs> this is a test. To the grappling ability of SBG, of John Kavanaugh, of the ethos that they've brought into this gym, of Connor's obsession with movement. I don't know if you noticed, but in one of the UFC embeddeds, I think it was, or maybe a video of Connor training, him and Gunnar, they're flowing and they're moving around. And they're always touching the other person. There's always a hand on the back. It's all about managing distance. Ido did an interview at London Real recently and he said, Connor's presence and his distant management is one of the most you always feel in danger. He said no matter where Connor is, if Connor is close to you, he he knows how close he is to be able to hurt you, to be able to strike and deliver the killer blows. Aldo loves, loves, loves being backed up and then flicking the switch, biting down on the gum shield and storming forward. Do you know, start throwing those rights. The rights that'll land, the rights coupled with the leg kicks to the body shot and get out. Jose Aldo's bread and butter. Connor wants to test himself in these positions. He wants Aldo to rush him. He wants to try his distant management thing. He wants to try all of this movement stuff because that's the way he is. He just wants to go out and evolve. He doesn't pick a game plan. He wants to be ready no matter what happens in the cage. And I like whether I'm drinking the Kool Aid, whether I've seen <laughs> it firsthand, I, I throw it all at me. I don't care. Because I am fascinated by him as a martial artist and a mixed martial artist. And I think that we won't appreciate the level of Connor and the ability of Connor until he's gone and then all the other guys are doing it as well. I love it, man. It, it, the passion that you speak is, is it's sort of addictive. I mean, it, no, it, it, it's bias. It's probably bias, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's like, like, it's like you're supposed to be unbiased here at these events. And I am. Do you know what I mean? I can, yes. I am able to distance myself. I think there's fights at 155 that Conor McGregor should not take and should never go near. I think if uh, Rafael Dos Anjos wins the belt or retains his title, uh, although he does look a little different, if you know what I mean, um, <laughs> I think Conor would be silly to go up to 155 to fight Dos Anjos because Dos Anjos is huge. Yeah. But if Cerrone wins... Then Connor is saying "fuck you" to one forty-five, <laughs> and he's going straight up for that title shot. Like, why not? Yeah, for like, sure. To be honest, like one thing that I do think is true, and there's swirling things about it online. And again, interesting to hear your take. Connor and the UFC appear to be at a little bit of a, a, an odd relationship at the minute. Like, there definitely is something up. Well, yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. Because, I mean, the promotion, not just between Connor and the UFC, but the promotion for this event is nothing close to what it was for UFC yes. 189. Thank you. 
So, like, Conor McGregor's total appearances, I'd say, in the UFC embeddeds this week of three episodes, I'd say I count to four minutes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know I mean? There's a big push on Weidman and Rockhold. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of footage of Aldo. Do you know what I mean? Are the UFC doing maybe the you know what I think you know what I think it is you know what I think it is I think they're worried, man. I think with Ronda Rousey losing a couple weeks ago, Conor McGregor is their big money maker. I think they're a little worried that both of them might have might get knocked off in a in a two week span. Exactly, and like, but then do you treat do you treat your money makers like shit? No, exactly. In 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 two, in two years' time. The moneymakers come out and do interviews with Ariel Helwani and accuse the UFC of knowing that Vitor Belfort was on steroids and allowed them to fight him. <laughs> well you know said, what I mean? yes. The, U- the UFC are on tender hooks, you know, playing, the, like, managing these guys. Like, I was, I can't, for the life of me, who said it to me, but it's such a genius idea. If, if, if Ronda Rousey, John Jones and Conor McGregor started a promotion, they'd cripple the UFC in one show. Oh, yeah. And and I've heard speculation, not that it's going to happen, but, you know, just people's opinions, like you're saying, that if John Jones does retain or go in, beat Daniel Cormier, win that belt, walk away, what's stopping him from pulling a, you know, I'm going to fight for my own promotion? Exactly. Selling and, himself. And NWO. Yeah. Spray, spray paint the belt in the middle of the cage yeah. after he does it. <laughs> Daniel Cormier's corpse is lying there, does his back as well. Hulk Hogan 2002 WWE <laughs> style. I can get on board with that. The problem is, if he becomes the fighter, the champion, he's stuck to the champion clause. And you know that? Yes, and uh, if he does have a few more fights left on his contract, then you know what happens when they say, oh, I might leave. They make them like, hold out. They, they yeah, you know, like, that happens. Okay, so you might leave. Uh, we will see you for your fight next December. Yes, exactly. <laughs> It's just like the UFC have a, have a good control of the market, a well-deserved control, because they're the powerhouse, they're the number one. But, like, I don't know. I think I'm completely fucking crazy for thinking this. And I'm sorry for, like, the people listening to this are probably like, why does this guy swear so much? And I'm really oh. sorry. It's, it is an Irish thing, and I'm, I'm losing the run of myself, so <laughs> to speak. Uh, John Jones is going to sign with the money team. Floyd Mayweather is going to start an MMA promotion. <laughs> and that's pretty much where it's going to go. There you have it. <laughs> that's that's my call. Five years time, Floyd Mayweather's a big player in the mixed martial arts game. Good call. I like it. Two more questions for you. We spoke off air about this the Irish scene or the Irish fans flowing into Vegas a little slower than previous yeah. McGregor fights. Uh, just explain why you think that's happening. So obviously it's Wednesday now, Wednesday evening. Um there would be the the guys that want to make it a trip and make it a holiday will be checking in within the next hour. Do you know, because time difference in Vegas, flights leaving Ireland, there's no direct flight. It's not like they we're going to be here from 9 o'clock this morning. And um, The way travel restrictions are in place in Dublin Airport is that planes can't fly throughout the night because the airport is very close to residential areas. So if you're flying from the States to Dublin, you leave, early, you leave late enough in the evening in the States so you arrive at 6 o'clock in the morning in Ireland, the time that you're allowed to land at. If you want to leave early, you're leaving at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. U.S. flights don't really leave till later. You have to take into account, this is, for some people, their third Conor McGregor fight in the U.S. in 12 months. Boston, Vegas, and Vegas again. We're getting very close to Christmas. Um, a lot of people that work now 
aren't able to take maybe the time off. You know, in Vegas in July, it was a week's holiday. The sun was out. The Irish were drunk from one end of the day to the other in the pool in the MGM. This time, the pool's not even fucking opened. I'm disgusted. <laughs> I brought shorts. Uh, it's literally, it is this sort of, it's intricate little details. I yeah. do think the Irish are going to be here in force. Dana White said 30-something percent of the tickets came from Ireland alone. I got a better number today. It's actually around 22% from the UK and Ireland. I'm still expecting four to 5,000 Irish people to be in Vegas come fight night. Unfortunately, the majority of them will probably be getting in. I don't want to say after the wins. I think a lot of them will make the sacrifice to come to the wins. But you have to realize like guys that work in retail, guys that have regular jobs can't just leave it all in the middle of December, so close to Christmas, um, in the same vein that maybe they would have been able to take a week's summer holidays in July and enjoy it. And the one thing I did notice, the UFC are pretty heavily marketing uh, International Fight Week 2016 at the minute um, over here in Vegas. It's yeah. on the side of all of the trams. I think maybe Conor McGregor is in their plans for UFC 200. Uh, just remind the fighters, like, look, International Fight Week, you've been here before. <laughs> You're going to be here again next, next year. So I, I do think, yeah, they're slow getting in now. Um, that, this is coming from someone who's been here from Tuesday, as always. You know, there's still some amount of Irish here already. We're still seeing them around. We're still, like, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter or anything, but the rodeo is also in Vegas at oh, the minute. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, there's going to be riots. There's <laughs> going to be, all I want to see, like, no matter what, Conor McGregor could become the UFC champion. Um, I could find $500 in the casino. I could win $500 in the casino. All I want to see is a group of Irish lads rob cowboy hats <laughs> off the cowboys from Texas. I can only assume they're going to pull out their revolvers or something like that, and then a, a duel will happen. But like this, Vegas is, is it's building up. You know, the Irish yeah. are slowly yeah. coming in in their drips and drabs. All right, final question for you before I let you go. Connor has predicted that this fight will not make it out of the first round. What are your thoughts? How do you think it finishes? Connor also said at the press conference today when asked about the prediction of the first round, Connor said after four minutes, the damage will be done and it's up to him for how long he wants to stay in the fight. <laughs> I think he's kind of saving himself a little bit. His predictions have become more vague as the fights go on a little more. Uh, as the, the opponents get to a higher caliber. I do believe that he will hurt Aldo in the first round, but I think Aldo's been through enough wars, war of attrition's. Is the, I don't even, that's probably not even the right ex- expression, but someone kept using it today in the press room and stuck in my head. <laughs> um, so it's like, Aldo can take the damage, we know that, but a culmination of the damage will he be able to take from someone like Connor? I think... Do you know, like, I was actually uh, one of your very own, uh, and I'm delighted that he's here in person because he's the best person involved in mixed martial arts. Jordan Breen was, uh, is here at the minute. Yeah. I was talking to him downstairs, and I said, so do you still think Aldo's going to win? And he's like, I can see a world where Aldo wins 48-47 in a fight-of-the-year contender. Uh, I know Patrick Wyman had the same uh, opinion on his uh, brilliant breakdown that he did a couple of days ago, 48-47 Aldo. But it's funny how, like, some people say, no, Aldo's going to smoke him. Aldo's going to knock him out. It's like those people 
are picking that opinion because they don't like Conor. Because if they were picking the opinion that Aldo is technically good enough to beat Conor McGregor, surely they'd appreciate that Conor McGregor's done some of the dopest stuff in the UFC from a striking point of view since for quite a long time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, put, he's put guys away that haven't been put away before. Do you know, you have to realize that he is, he is as good maybe as he says he is. So, yeah, but then again, Jose Aldo is Jose Aldo. So it's like, I, I could sit here and I'm going to be like, yeah, it's done in one, man. Irish pride, Conor McGregor is going to win. I don't think it's going to be as easy as he thinks it is. I think it's going to be a hard, hard fight. I think Conor is going to be cut. I think Conor is going to be banged up a little bit. But I still think he prevails. I think he's just Aldo. Uh, and I'm sorry, like, this is a, a very long point, but like, uh, <laughs> it, it's, I'm already, I'm nearly done, I promise. There you go. It's like, the guys that Aldo fought a few years ago, he finished Mendez in the first round. What happened in the second fight? He was put in the hardest fight of his life. Maybe it's Mendez improving considerably in that time. Maybe it's Jose Aldo deteriorating. Maybe Connor's right. Maybe he's stuck in the same pattern, the same show up. We spar hard. We get our rounds in and we get ready for the fight and we cut our weight effectively. Yeah, call me crazy. Conor McGregor looked, and I put my hand up. I didn't get the mic. I think he looked lighter than ever at the weigh-ins today. I think because he has not been injured going into this fight, he can train and cut the weight in the way that he wants to uh, effectively in terms of sessions, sweat sessions leading up to the fight. Like, if you put a gun to my head right now, I think Conor finishes him somewhere between the third and the end of the fourth round. But that is literally maybe a bit of a patriotic pick. What's yours, though? You, I, you know what? I, I I don't know, man. I I'm I have to say that growing up watching all these fights, I, I was a huge WEC fan. Jose Aldo and Uriah Faber are my two favorite fighters of all time. And you've almost changed my mind during yeah. this interview. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but it, I... We've spoken for like 50 minutes. It's been an awesome Irish banter um, from you. And it, it's awesome to hear your perspective on things because you've known Conor McGregor for so long and you've seen him grow up through the sport. And you don't need to say sorry for, for potentially changing my mind because honestly, the things that you're saying are so true and and it's, it's just so interesting. I think personally now it, it's a bit of a toss of a coin for me. Yeah. And to be honest, like this may make me sound like a fanboy and stuff like that. I, I'm a video guy. I'd never need to be in the arena. I've been lucky enough to see, I think, well, all of Connor's UFC fights I've seen live. And I saw his, uh, his last two fights in Ireland before that, which were both world title fights and cage warriors. And UFC 194 is so big, so popular. A lot of the media guys are in the back for the full night. Got the email sent out. <laughs> I bought a ticket. I have no, wow. I have no problem with it. And it's not because I'm going to be there like doing something unprofessional, like going, woo, Connor, woo, cheering, like it's stuff like that, because I've never cheered for any of his fights. I've watched them. That's great. Digested it. Got out of there. For me, for wherever this MMA journey may take me, I would like to be able to go back and tell my kids one day or tell people, maybe future students in my jiu-jitsu gym, that I saw the Conor McGregor story unfold in front of my eyes and I saw it in person instead of traveling across the world to watch it on a monitor backstage in Vegas while wow. I was meant to be working or yeah. being stuff like that. Like, that is... That's... And I'm so sorry for anyone who hated that jiu-jitsu stuff at the start. 
I, I no, like, man, no. I can't apologize enough for that. Sorry. So, so awesome, dude. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you taking just over 50 minutes of your time to speak with me. Andrew, man, it's That's been a pleasure. Just, just let people know where they can find you in the social media realm, um, where they can find any of your video stuff. Whatever you have going on, just, just let people know where they can find you. Yeah. Um, well, Severe MMA, uh, Europe's number one. Uh, if I, if well, actually no, we're Europe's number two. There's a Polish MMA website that I think actually do better traffic than us because KSW and MMA in Poland is actually huge at the minute. Yeah. And um, so look, I'm gonna say it because I'm hoping that none of those people are listening. Europe's number one, uh, Severe <laughs> MMA. I think genuinely, uh, aside from the fact that I work at work there, I don't think there is a better crew of people assembled between Sean Sheehan and Peter Carroll and Graham, who runs the website. The guys at Severe also were the guys that produced and made all of the notorious documentaries. So the six-part series are made by the guys from Severe. The one-hour-long documentary was made by the guys from Severe, and that is because Connor has trusted them with the access because they've been around from the start. So if you have any, uh, any time to check, check them out, they're very good. Uh, my Twitter name, Andrew McGatton underscore, and... Uh, if you don't mind, at this, we have a podcast on severe MMA. Can I mention that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, man. I, I, from one podcast to another, I'm sorry, but uh, no, no, it's all good, the, dude. The the severe MMA podcast is um like literally, and something that I probably should have mentioned at the start. I work in the nightclub five nights a week to pay for this. This isn't like a big US website that we can be owned by someone. This is out of pocket, every single thing, and genuinely, um, to finish the story on a little bit of a weird note. About three weeks ago, I wasn't going to Vegas. Two weeks ago, I wasn't going to Vegas. I didn't want to put myself further in debt at 23 with no guarantee that it would be able to be paid off. Uh, genuinely, literally, like, no problem admitting it, burst like into tears, had a bit of a panic attack. And I'm very, very lucky and very grateful that like, literally my mum and dad bailed me out. They uh, booked my plane ticket. I'm staying in the MGM here with two other people so that it's not that dear of the accommodation. And it was like, Literally within three days of that happening, uh, we got a little bit of money in sponsor-wise in the website. So if I can say one final thing to anyone maybe who might be listening or interested in mixed martial arts reporting or jiu-jitsu or anything like that, like I lost so many tournaments before I started winning tournaments. You know, you really need to keep going and keep showing up and putting work in until anything good will happen for you. It's like all of this stuff has been built off my own back, off our own pocket. And uh, literally, if anyone, the people out there that have taken... Uh, approximately 55 minutes and 40 seconds to listen to this and <laughs> um, I really appreciate it and every hit every like every listen uh, means the world to me literally and um, even to be asked to go on other podcasts is still the coolest thing in the world that's why I have no problem sitting here I could talk for an hour and 55 minutes <laughs> do you know what I mean so thank you very much for uh, having me on and thank you to everyone that is uh, that is listened. Definitely, man, and I, I'm sure we'll have you on again. It, it's been awesome chatting with Anytime. you. Anytime. Good luck uh, to your your own Conor McGregor on Saturday night, man. Thank you very much. Oh, what? I oh, hang up on him. Oops, we missed that. Thank you to Andrew for joining me, and uh, thank you to my sponsors, ProAmBelts.com, FloatHouse.ca for all your sensory deprivation tank needs bckimonos.ca, of course, for your Brazilian jiu-jitsu needs, and Fusion Fight Gear, Google them, Fusion FG, or check them out on Instagram and Twitter. They have some funky-ass rash guards, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, limited edition geese. Everything is licensed and trademarked, whether it's Star Trek 
or Superman or Batman, you can get it at Fusion Fight Gear. Check them out. Um, free shipping in Canada. Not sure about the United States. Make sure you like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMASucka. Follow us on Twitter at MMASucka. Follow myself on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. And with that, I am out.